Amen. That's what it's all about. It's taking that time to seek and to pray after him. Today, I want us to look at steps to a perfect plan. When I really sit down and I begin thinking about graduation and us recognizing that, it also comes to my mind that there are those sitting in here that are not graduating. And if I do a message that's just for the graduate, then many of you are going to fall asleep and you might start snoring, and I don't want that. But when we look at graduation, we understand one main thing, and that is that there is a change happening in a life. We see kindergarten graduation. I think they were having kindergarten graduation or preschool graduation across the street the other day, and there were almost as many cars as there were there for the high school graduation. Kindergarten, and then we go through school, and then we go into high school, and there's a, a change when we graduate, and at some point in time, we're getting ready to move out of mom and dad's house. We now are going to be on our own. And we have freedoms that we've never had before and decisions that we have to make. But that happens again and again. There becomes a point in time that you become maybe married and there's a change in life and there's some new freedoms there. Or maybe you are starting a new job and there's a change or you're retiring and there's a change and there's new freedoms that are there. There are all kinds of changes going on in our life. And I want us to look at today at steps to a perfect plan. Because if we're going to get through life the way God has it designed for us to get through, or if we're just going to get through life in general, there has to be some form of a plan there. Now, how extent you make that plan is up to you. Some will sit down and they will set out what are your goals for this next chapter of your life. Is it going to college? What classes am I going to take? Where am I going to live? How am I going to afford things? Am I going to work while I'm there? If you're retiring, how am I going to continue to live now that I don't have an income? What are the plans? What are your goals? And then you set those and you work toward those. Oftentimes we have big goals and we have little goals and the big goals need smaller goals. Have you ever set a goal that was so big it stressed you out that you couldn't get there? It's kind of like the elephant. How do you do it? You eat it one bite at a time. We take small steps. But I believe to have steps to a perfect plan, we need to look into God's word at what he has to say about that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's open to Jeremiah 29 and verse 10. And once you've turned there, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Jeremiah 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Father God, I just pray tonight, Lord, that you would open 
our hearts. Father, right now, may they be softened that Holy Spirit can speak. Lord, may our ears be open to Holy Spirit. And Lord, would you speak to us, Father, the plans that you have for us. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. Now, I want to put um, something on the front of this, understanding that when we look in Scripture, that there are things that were given to a specific group of people. There were things that were given to the Israelites. There were things that were promises that were given to others. And this was a, a promise that was given through Jeremiah to those who were in exile. Understanding that, I do believe that there is still a principle here for us to pick up on. And that's what I want us to look at in understanding that. And I want you to understand in this world, there are two opposing forces. It seems like everything we look at, you have football, you have the offense, and you have the defense. You look at that in hockey or you look at it in baseball. You have one team that's batting, one team that's trying to keep them from batting. Well, in life, it's no different. There is God and there is the devil. And he's at work. They're both constantly fighting. They're both vowing for who we are. And once we accept Christ... That changes everything because we become his. But when we're looking in life, we understand, we see right here that on the God side, it says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Well, the opposing team is very uh, similar but opposite in that aspect. In John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So there is the opposing forces. What are we looking at in life? But there's a battle. Not that it's a battle enough to be changing from high school, going out into college or whatever the transition in your life, but there's a battle for what's going on. And I'm here to tell you, by the grace of God, as a believer, God wants what's best for us. God wants to give us life. And if we stay on that path, we keep him focused, our life will be for the better. Because it is a true statement that it's an either or. It's not a gray. It's black and white. We're either moving on the path for God or we're moving on the path for the devil. It's one or the other. But let me just explain this first part of the verses here as we begin to look at these steps. But it says that I know the plans that I have for you. I find it very interesting. And it says, declare so the Lord plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Now, I am by no means, by far, a Hebrew expert. This was written in Hebrew. In fact, I'm so good at Hebrew, I'll be honest with you, I flunked it the first time I took it. And I'm looking at having to take it again, and it scares me. But I'm going to turn that over to the Lord. But there are many resources out there to help us. And I find this interesting. When you look at that, for I know, and at the end it says calamity to give you, that is what is in the Hebrew, a completed action. 
When this was written, when this was given to Jeremiah, God is saying, I already know it. I'm not continuing to think about it. It's not going to come along the way. It's already been decided. I know. God knows the plans that he has for his children. But it also says to give you a future and a hope. That's where we have a problem because future's in the future. But to God, it's already done. Amen. That's something special about our God. He already knows these plans. What are these plans? You see, God has a plan for you. When you look that up, it's a a purpose or a a device. I was looking at that, I said, a device. But when I researched that a little further, a complex procedure or mechanism, God has a plan for you. And for you, he has a plan for each of us, and it's a complex life that we're going to live, but he has this plan. It's already laid out. It's already mapped out. He knows exactly what it is. He has not just a plan for us, he has a purpose. Church, if you are still alive today, God has a purpose for you. He didn't create you to be junk. He didn't save you to be junk. You know, God has a purpose for everyone that's in this world, believe it or not. If if everyone could get on the right path, they would be in these great plans that he has. It says that plans for welfare, that's a good, a peace with God. As a believer, God has a plan and that is for us to be at peace with him. He sent his son Jesus to die on that cross to pay the debt that we owed so we would no longer be in opposition to him. We could be at peace with him in a covenant relationship. I love that because God made the covenant. We accepted it. It's going to always be there. We're always going to be in a a relationship with him. But he has a a future for us, a, a happy ending, posterity, a promise of righteousness, and a hope. Don't you like living life with a hope? There's only one group of people in this world that can live life with a hope, and those are born-again believers of Jesus Christ. But knowing that God has plans for us, and there are plans for good, and that he has a purpose for us, and that they're already set, how in the world do we as mere mortal human beings know what this plan is. Would you like to know? God spells it out for us in these next few verses. Lovely, my plan or his plan for me is not the same that his plan is for you. Each of us have a different plan. God knows us each uniquely. But I want us to look at a couple of steps to a perfect plan is we're making transition in our life. All of us are going through some form of transition right now. How do we know the plan? The first thing we must do is to summons God. Look there at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. We must summons God. This was not easily done before the crucifixion. 
When you were to go to God before the crucifixion, you would go to a priest and you would share with the priest and he would do that sacrifice or one of the prophets would speak on God's behalf. And if you notice in the Old Testament, it ends and then the New Testament picks up. Well, that New Testament's the new covenant that Jesus Christ has made. And between those two periods of the Old Covenant, And the new covenant were 400 years that God didn't speak. But when Christ came and he died on that cross, the Bible very vividly and clearly explains the separation is no longer there. There was a a curtain, a big, thick tall curtain that hung between the people and the Holy of Holies, actually between the priest inner court and the Holy of Holies. And the moment that Christ died, that veil, that curtain was ripped. It wasn't done by man for two reasons. One, it was too thick. And secondly, it wasn't done from the bottom. It was done from the top down. God said, my son has paid the price. We can now individually come before God and he tells us here to seek. He says, then you will call upon me. You will summons me. You will call me out. Psalm fifty fifteen puts it this way. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Now, let me bring us a little bit more in context of this Jeremiah 29. We hear it all the time, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. What's going on when Jeremiah was writing this, but Israel had sinned against God, and God had allowed them to be taken off into captivity. There's been a a battle going back on. No one likes to be in captivity. God sent a messenger, a prophet, and he said, listen, this is going to last a while. Don't listen to anyone else. Well, then others would come along and God sent me. We're only going to be here a little while. It's not what God was saying. He said, you're going to be here. It actually starts off there at verse 10 for 70 years years God was going to allow his people to be in captivity so we must understand that if we sin against God God is still there he's still speaking but he can let us go into times of difficulty I'm looking out here with the exception of the few, few young ones. Most of everyone in here has graduated college or high school and moved on and has become married and had changes of life. How many of you had it perfect, easy, and everything went right? Anybody? You had difficulty. There was difficulty in your life. Bonnie, there's going to be difficulty in the road ahead. You're going to be under pressure. When you're at school and people are going to want to do different things than what you agree with. And we all go through that in our life. And we have these difficulties. It's at that time that you must summons God. We must stop and call upon God in those times of difficulty. And he tells us that he will hear us. That he will answer us. 
Because you're special to him. There is a purpose that God has for each and every one of us. We must summons him. And then it says that we are to come and to pray to him. What is prayer? We have spent eight years since I've been here almost at least once a month, if not more, hearing about prayer. Why? That is so vital. Prayer, church, is communication with God. Won't you understand? Communication. That's not one way talking. I think all of us have down Pat being able to go to the God and ask him for what we need, rub the little genie bottle, set it back down and leave, and he pops out and does what we want. But communication, prayer is conversation. We're to go to God. We're to summons him. We're we're to pray and we're to share what's going on in our heart with him. He already knows. He's not dumb. But he wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be dependent. We come to him saying, I need you. And let me tell you what. When we're dependent upon the Lord and we need him, he's just like a father. He's such a great father. He's ready to help. But we must summons him. We must call upon him and listen to the last of that verse 12. I love it. And he says, and I will listen. Amen. Come on, let me hear it. Amen. God will listen. He's not just someone that lets us blab on and doesn't pay any attention. He's interested. He listens to us. When we summons him and we go to him in prayer and we call upon him, he's listening because he cares. He has a plan and he uses our prayer and our communication and our summons to show him the plan. The second thing we must do is to seek God. We're not just summonsing God. We're not just calling upon him, praying to him, and he listening. We must seek God. Look there at that next verse. It says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is very important. We must seek him, but church, we must seek him all the time. He, as I mentioned a while ago, he is more than a genie in a bottle that we can just sit up on the shelf and let it sit there until life falls apart. We've had no need for God. And now that life's falling apart, we can pull him off the shelf. We can rub him and he just jumps out so excited and welcomed. He's going to be there for us. But listen to the way Psalms 32.6 puts it. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. The first thing we must do in a life is to seek after God for salvation. I've said this years ago and offended someone in this very building. But until you ask for God to save you, The only prayer he will hear from you is for salvation. God is not obligated to answer the prayer for a non-believer. The first prayer he's going to hear is you praying out for salvation. And it says right here, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time he may be found. Noah and the ark. 
going to send rain. A ridicule didn't know what, never seen rain, didn't know what that was. Noah got in that boat. God shut that ark door, sent the rains and the flood, and then all of a sudden everybody else, help me. They all drowned. They were selfish. They didn't want nothing to do with God. They really didn't want God. They just didn't want to die. God knows what's in our heart. And that's part of seeking him is we've got to come to him. We need to be going to him all the time. Don't just wait in the change of life till something happens. If we want to have this perfect plan that God already has for us, then we're to seek him. And then it says that when we seek him, we will find him. How do we seek him? We seek him through private, personal worship in God's word. We seek him through prayer. We seek him through joining together with fellow believers for worship on Sundays. We find God. God's there. He's a loving father that has a plan. He already knows it. He's given it to us. We're just aimlessly walking about unless we seek after him at all times. Seeking him. And then it says to search for him with all your heart. I think we just talked about this a few weeks ago. The heart we think of love. A devotion to God. This heart is our inner man, our actions and our wills, what comes from the inside. This is where God knows what's going on. It's not seeking him with your mind. It's more than that. Who are you? It's what's within. You're seeking him with everything you have. You surrender over to him. You seek after him. You call upon him and you follow him in all the ways you can and let it just enrapture your life. Yes, we have life. We must study. We must have a job. There are things in life that we have to do to live, but none of that should come before our devotion to God. None of that should come before seeking. If we spend the first parts of our morning alone with him, I promise our days are going to go better. Things are going to fall into place. And we search for him with all of who we are. We give total surrender. Then God is going to allow us to see that plan. He's going to spell it out for us. If something was hidden, and I told you it's yours If I said there is a new house and a new car for everyone paid for, electricity is paid for, insurance is paid for, taxes are paid for for the rest of your life, you just have to find it. Would any of you be willing to go on the journey for it? I would. I know where it's at. Each of yours is in a different place. Somewhere in this world... What would you probably do if you earnestly wanted that, but you would seek me so that I might tell you where it's at? And let me add this onto the top of that. Let me put the little cherry on the top of cool. Waylon always, every night, he has to have dessert and he always wants a cherry and sprinkles, right, Waylon? Cool whip, cherry, and sprinkles. Let me put the cherry on the top. If you ask me, I'll tell you where it's at. It's all you got to do. I believe all of you would come and ask, that's what God says. Seek me. 
I know the plans that I have for you. Ask me. I'll reveal them to you. They're all right here. All situations, not every specific individual thing, but the category of everything in life is right in here. It's the reason Jesus came to earth. He came to be one of us. He, he lived a life. He was tempted in all areas so that he could be that perfect sacrifice. And God says, I know the plans. I've already made them. I've already given them to you. They're there. All you got to do is summons me. You've got to seek me. And if you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. And thirdly is the saving grace. Our Our God is so good. Here he is writing to the people he chose who have turned their back on him and they've been taken off into exile. And he says, you're going to be there for 70 years. But he says, listen to me. I haven't forgotten about you. I still know who you are. I still have plans for you, Israel. They're good plans, plans for welfare, things that are good for you, plans that are prosperous. I've got a hope and a future for you. When we get into dark times and changes of our life, God is still there. I've been through those times, and I'm sure you have, those of you who have lived life very long at all, that there seems to be times that God's not there. Satan loves to tell you, you know, what you've done. God's gone. He's not gone. He might be allowing us to go through a difficult time so that he can get our attention. The people of Israel rebelled against God, refused to surrender. Surrender, So he's getting their attention. But he said 70 years. But he says on top of that, while you're in exile, go ahead and plant gardens. Go ahead and multiply. Go ahead and live life. I'm with you. But you're going to be here for a period of time. But I've already given you the good hope. I've already given you that saving grace. Look at verse 14. It says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. God's saving grace, even though God chose these people, they did absolutely nothing The Israelites did absolutely nothing to deserve God to choose them. But God chose the Israelite people. That's the same thing for us today. There's not a one of us sitting in this room, not a one listening, that has done anything in your life deserving of saving grace. But God had grace and mercy. He didn't give us what we were due. He's given us what we wasn't. And that's what he's saying here, that even for them, and we can take this for us today, that God will be found. He said, you will find me. When you have those bumps in the road in college, God's still going to be found. No matter what you do, God's still going to love you. No matter what happens in our changes of life, 
God still loves us, but we're still to summons him and to seek him. And I love here where it says that God will restore you. He says, I will restore your fortunes. When we get down in the muddy pit with the pigs and we repent, God's right there to pick us up and to restore us back. He's got a hope for us. He's got a a plan for us. He's got something good as a believer. We hold to this and we know it because we read earlier that he's already, if we were to read it in those terms, he's already given it to us. Not just the hope and plan of a future in heaven, but a hope and a plan here on earth. God already has it. He's already given it to us. We just must seek him for it. And he will restore us. And then it says he'll bring you back. You know, when we get off the road, have you ever been lost? Maybe you were in the woods and got off the path and got lost. I remember one time being in South Park Mall. Probably shared this with you. Back when they, how many of y'all remember South Park Mall? Many of y'all know that. Remember they used to have that water that went all the way down the middle of it? Well, at a few places, they would have some step-downs where you could go and get that pretzel and lemonade and eat it. You could step down in the middle. Well, they had these, I can still picture them, these wooden rails that come out and they went down. Look, just like a movie camera. For a little kid, my imagination got carried away and I got down there and I began running this movie camera and filming this movie. When I look up all of a sudden and my parents wasn't there anymore. They were moving along. I was lost. Scared to death. Didn't know what to do. I was smart enough to stay right there. I began to look. But it wasn't long that my parents came back. I will bring you back. When we get lost at times, God our Father comes to us. And he brings us back. If you're in the woods and you're on that path and you took a couple of path turns, maybe you wasn't supposed to, God comes back and he brings us back. That's the saving grace. I want you to notice in the first set when we looked at summons God, we're to call upon a God, we're to pray to God, and God will listen In seeking God, where to seek God, we can find God and we can search for God with all of our heart. But in this last step, the saving grace is all about God. God will be found. God will restore you. God will bring you back. All of that goes right back to that verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God already knows it. God has already made those plans. God is there. He's seeking us. God has already given to each one of us. The moment we accept him as a believer, he's given us these plans. He's got them for everyone, but it's up to us to summons him and us to seek him. And then we can find these plans. So what's the steps to a perfect plan? We need to summon and we need to seek God. Amen.
And I promise you, whether you're graduating high school, graduating kindergarten, any change going on in your life or just going through life general, the perfect plan is to seek God. We're to summons him and to call upon him. He's waiting to answer. The number one vital part of God's plan for us is salvation. So if you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to Christ, that's the first step. That's the great plan that God has for you is to take you from where you are as a sinner headed to hell with no possible way out other than Jesus Christ. And to surrender to him saying, I understand God that I'm a sinner. And that the only way is through your son Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the grave. And it's coming back. I need forgiveness. Simple, just surrender. That's summons in God. That's seeking God. And he's going to give you that saving grace, that salvation. And then from there, there are all kinds of wonderful, great plans that he has for us. Steps to a perfect plan is seeking after God, summonsing him. And seeking him. May you bow your heads this morning. Just with the music playing in the background. Is Holy Spirit speaking this morning? What does Holy Spirit sound like? Pastor, I've never heard him. Is there a nudging in your heart? Is something saying, you need me. God loves It's not about being good. Good doesn't match up to his perfection. But because of his perfect saving grace, he freely gives to us salvation. Are you here today and you need salvation? I'm just going to ask you to slide out right where you're at. Just come down front and let me share with you. Preacher, why do you always do that? I have a feeling that I know who's saved, but I don't. Only you and God know that, and that's the greatest decision of your life. And I don't want anyone to leave that doesn't know Christ because you may not get another chance. It's not, let me wait. It's right now. Holy Spirit speaking and he's calling surrender. It doesn't matter. Nobody in here is going to think anything bad of you. Like I've told you before, people in here are going to praise and rejoice. Do you need salvation today? Is Holy Spirit tugging at your heart? Don't resist him, please. I'll just ask where you are. That if you're willing and you want these steps to a perfect plan, would you just commit yourself to God right now? From this point forward to daily, summons God to call upon him, to pray to him, to listen. He's going to listen to you and to seek God with all of your heart. We'll give you just a moment right where you are. Would you make that commitment if you're willing to the Father? 
Do you want to receive this perfect plan that he has for you that he's already made, he's already given you? Do you want to know what it is? might just say it something like this. Dear God, I commit today to daily summons you and to seek you. Father, would you help me through the power of Holy Spirit?